All right, hey, grown-ups. It's your turn. <laughs> I want you to imagine something with me for a moment. Is that all right? Imagine for a moment that you are celebrating a milestone anniversary with your significant other. You go out to a nice dinner, you toast champagne, you order an expensive dessert. I mean, why not? It is a special occasion. Your partner pulls out a small wrapped gift box. Your eyes get big. And there's a card attached. You open the card. Your eye passes quickly over the generic hallmark printed lines straight to your partner's handwriting. Here is what the love of your life has written to you. My darling, happy anniversary. I can't believe we've made it to this special moment together. More than anything else, I want you to know how hard I have worked to keep this relationship going. <laughs> it's taken grit and determination. I've had to dig down deep many a day just to make it through. <laughs> Loving you has not been easy. <laughs> it has demanded more effort, more sweat, more exertion of will than I ever thought I could muster. But I never gave up. And I will never give up until the day that I die. Yours always, your loving partner. Okay, digest that for just a second. <laughs> now let's, let's rewind the scene a bit. Back to the last bite of that expensive dessert. The gift coming out, opening the card. This time, here's what you read. My dear, happy anniversary. What an amazing milestone we celebrate tonight. More than anything else, I want you to know how easy it has been being your partner. Honestly, it has surprised me how little effort I've had to put into it, <laughs> even from the very beginning. When other people talk about how relationships take work and love doesn't come without sacrifice, I have no idea what they're talking about. Loving you has been the most natural, most effortless thing I've ever done. I suppose that's just what happens when you find the person you were meant to be with. Love your soulmate. Okay. Digest that one. Now my very simple question to you is this. Which letter would you rather receive? Think about it. The first one or the second? The loving you has been hard work or the loving you has been effortless? No wrong answer. Not a trick question, necessarily. Uh, can we do a quick straw poll? Who's, who's thinking the first? Who'd rather get the first? Love's hard work. 
Love's gritty, determined. Okay. Uh, who would rather receive the second? <laughs> Loving you is easy. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty. That's pretty uh, split. Um, how many honestly don't care what the card says? You just want to see what's in the box. <laughs> to that part. Okay. Got it. Got it. You know, this is not an easy one to answer, really, if you think about it. Each option has its own appeal, right? The first letter, the one about gritty, effortful love, is flattering and humbling in its own way, right? That somebody would go to all of those lengths just for me, just to love me, wow. It leaves you with zero doubts about your partner's commitment level. They're not going anywhere. Clearly, they are in it no matter what. They are absolutely determined to be with you. And there's a lot of security that comes from knowing that. But it does leave you wondering, is there any joy in it for this person? <clears throat> Haven't I brought them at least a small amount of happiness in return for all of their effort? Or has it been thoroughly just a chore to be with me? The second letter, the loving you is effortless one, uh, makes you feel pretty good about yourself at first, right? I mean, you must be a treat, <laughs> a complete delight of a person for someone to express this sentiment about being with you. You must never come across as annoying or dull or unattractive. Either that or you just chalk it up to having had a relatively easy road so far together without too many serious trials, difficulties. But then the questions come. What would happen if I suddenly stopped being so charming and interesting and attractive to this person? What would happen if we suddenly did hit a tougher stretch of road together? Would my partner have the will and determination to see it through with me? Or would they leave once things stopped being so easy? It's not so simple, is it? Well, now that you've had some time to consider uh, things from the point of view of the subject of this little hypothetical, let's turn the question just a little bit, reframe it, and move from a romantic context to one of spiritual devotion. Consider that God is not terribly unlike you in this respect. God wants to love and be loved. God loves you. God wants you to love him back. So after years of being a Christian, if you were to write God a letter about what it's been like loving him, what kind of letter would you write? And additionally, what kind of letter do you think God would rather receive? What would mean more? Does he want to hear about our gritty, determined devotion? Or a kind of natural, effortless connection? I've been thinking about this question because today's gospel reading seems to tip the scale in one direction. Jesus says, 
Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus gives us both an invitation and a promise. The invitation is, take my yoke upon you. The yoke is a sort of agricultural metaphor that applied in Jesus' day to teacher-student relationships. To take on someone's yoke was to become a committed follower of their teachings. And then there's the promise that Jesus makes, of course, attached to that. If you become my student, if you follow my teachings, you will find in following me a sort of, of lightness and ease. All well and good. Sounds great, in fact. But how does all this measure against your actual experience of following Jesus? It seems to me that a significant portion of our attempts to follow Jesus or practice Christianity fall into these three categories. Category one are the things we try because we know we should, but we find to be extremely difficult. For example, you try to forgive a coworker who has insulted you because Jesus says to forgive those who wrong you, but you find yourself still ruminating on this wrong, finding it difficult to mentally move on and work together with this person daily without constantly replaying those words in your head that so deeply hurt you. In category two are things that we do not try, even though we know we should, because they seem far too difficult to even attempt. For example, you know that Jesus taught, let your yes be yes and your no be no, that you should tell the truth in every situation. But you just cannot bring yourself to come clean to a longtime friend about a years-old lie that you fear, if exposed, might ruin your relationship. Too difficult to attempt. And then there's category three. The things we try because we know we should and find to be extremely boring. A category which may even include, but hopefully doesn't, being here right now and listening to this sermon. <laughs> While you think about to-do lists and, you know, what you want for lunch, what sounds good. You don't have to worry about that today. We've got the parish cookout so that you can check that off and put that distraction aside. We've got all these things competing for your attention. Uh, there are a number, of th a number of things that we do as Christians that can become monotonous and even dull at times. We don't always necessarily feel that spark of, I was made to do this when we obey Jesus and do them. None of these categories would be described as experiencing the ease and lightness of following Jesus, I don't think. So what do we make of Jesus' promise of an easy yoke. Dallas Willard, in the opening pages of his classic book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, 
addresses this problem, describes, describing like what he calls these on-the-spot moments of following Jesus. Those situations when we know what we ought to do, we have the opportunity to do it, but so often result in frustration, failure, or disappointment. Willard writes, these on-the-spot episodes are not the place where we can, even by the grace of God, redirect unchristlike but ingrained tendencies of action toward sudden Christ-likeness. Jesus never expected us simply to turn the other cheek, go the second mile, bless those who persecute us, give unto them that ask, and so forth. Instead, Jesus did invite people to follow him into that sort of life from which behavior such as loving one's enemies will seem like the only sensible and happy thing to do. In short, I think what Willard is saying is that what Jesus really promises us is transformation. And transformation takes time. Transformation is exactly what we need. It is the only answer for us, and God knows it. It is our very salvation, but it takes time. Think crockpot, not microwave. <laughs> Think eating ice cream, not riding your bike. <laughs> yes. The reality is that the easy yoke won't feel so easy until it's been broken in significantly. But eventually, like a river that has carved its path through a canyon over millennia, your soul will begin to flow more naturally within the beautiful bounds of life with God and Christ. And you will find rest. I've got one more letter to read to you. See how you find this one. My love, happy anniversary. My, my, how far we've come together. Honestly, when we were just starting out, I wasn't sure we were going to make it. We were butting heads constantly, and every time I found a way in which we didn't fit together perfectly, I was filled with discouragement and doubt. But I knew that something deep inside me had drawn me to you, and I never let go of that. And now, after all these years, effort has turned into ease. What used to be work has become, well, a dance. A dance that I was born to do, but could never do alone. I'm so grateful to have reached this place of unimaginable joy, the joy of simply being with you. With deepest affection, your beloved. Amen. Amen. Thank you.